Welcome to The Red Podcast, a place for bold, inspired, outrageously courageous, and just a tad bit naughty women leaders come together. I'm Elaine Kalila, and I'm the founder of the Priestess Presence Temple, a sisterhood of over 80,000 women. For the past 25 years, I've had the great pleasure and privilege of supporting, inspiring, catalyzing, and initiating women to remember who they are. The Red Podcast is a place where you can come to lean into your edges, listen for that which yearns to be expressed more fully through you, and to say yes to the places that probably scare you. More importantly, I'm going to be talking with some amazing women who are spiritual and grounded, and we're going to be chatting about what it takes for each one of us to step into the legacy of our purpose and fully bring it to the world that we're here to co-create. Your presence is a gift, so I say bring it. We're here to listen to your red, your leading edge, that place of evolution within you. Hope you enjoy the conversations. Well, hello, hello, my beautiful red women out there on the edges of the reality that we know, birthing new worlds into being through your very presence. I am excited to be back. As you know, this is a new season of the Red Podcast. We've had a couple episodes and now we're diving into the world of the priestess and really what it means to be a ceremonialist and why do we even need priestesses and what does that even mean? Because I know most of you who are listening here are somewhere on this path. You're somewhere in your own exploration of what it means to stand in your own feminine leadership as a sacred woman, as a woman who is here integrating the world and to a large degree healing and recovering from this system that we know as patriarchy. So today, today, drum roll please, I'm very, very excited to have with me one of my dearest, dearest sisters. Her name is Sarah Jenks, and she is an incredible, oh my gosh, an incredible woman who is doing amazing things in the world. And really one of the things that I've been charting the progress with her and really watching and listening and learning from her as she steps into is the world of how to bring the sacred into our everyday lives, how to have this word priestess or sacred or holy woman become part of our everyday vernacular. Now, what I'll tell you about Sarah, I've known her for a really long time. In fact, I've known Sarah, I think, what is it now? 12 years? Like 12 years. Yeah. 12 years, everybody. So when I first met Sarah, I have to paint this little picture to you. Sarah came to me. I was then her therapist. And I know I'm okay to say that, not breaking confidentiality, but I was, yeah. she was coming to see me. And at that time, my therapy office was my front living room. And so it was in my house. And Sarah would show up in these little preppy outfits with literally like a twin set and pearls, very Bostonian, very East Coast. She had landed freshly into San Francisco. She clearly was a fish out of water. No idea what she was doing. She had way too many high heels in her closet for San Francisco with all those hills. And I was like, what is this woman really coming to me for? Well, dot, 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 the story began to unfold. So I've been walking beside Sarah as an acolyte, as an apprentice in the 13 Moon Mystery School within the Rosa Mystica Mystery School for the last 12 years. We have co-created and been weaving and woven in and out of each other's lives in some magical ways. And so I thought today what I would do is have Sarah come on and share a little bit about this 
this sacred woman, this holy woman journey, this journey to reclaim the ancient priestess into a very modern era. So my love, wherever you want to begin. Oh my gosh. Well, just, I don't even really recognize anymore. It's so hard to believe that that was me. And right, (laughs) being a priestess was the last (laughs) career choice I ever thought I was going to make. I talked a little bit about this the last time we had our podcast, which we realized was two years ago, which is really wild. You know, I went, I come from like an upper middle class family. I went to the number one liberal arts school in the country. I came out of college with a really great job. You know, my circle from growing up are like heads of banks in the CIA. I married to a doctor. Like the traditional path of success was very laid out for me. And I, being a priestess was not on my radar. Like there weren't even yoga instructors in my family at the time. Now there are, thank God. So, you know, so I just want to, I just want to say that plainly for anyone who doesn't feel like they belong Mm. in the spiritual world. I I really believe that we all belong, that we all have a spiritual side Mm. and it doesn't matter where we come from or what our propensities are or what our interests are, that we all have this side to us. And I just want to invite everybody to think outside the box and to deeply listen to what you're being called towards because it was a really big surprise for me. And yet I had been searching for this feeling my whole life. Mm-hmm. And the feeling that I have now in my work in the world is incredible satisfaction, deep impact, um, really like wild respect from people and a deep sense of belonging and being of service. And sometimes we just don't know where to look. Mm -hmm. And if we can be brave enough to sit in ceremony and look inside, because For a lot of us who are on the leading edge of evolution and bringing the planet to a place that it really needs to be, there are not models for what we are here to do. We can't, we're not going to get breadcrumbs on the outside for why we are here. Mm -hmm. We have to go in and we have to see what's going to arise as a vision, as a symbol, as a feeling. And that's what was really happening for me in ceremony with Kalila, where I went in, I thought it was going to be a hobby. I was running a very successful weight loss company at the time, and I needed it to help me work through my marriage and um, work through some body stuff that I was having. And But what I kept hearing was, this is what you're supposed to do. And I fought it for like 10 years, maybe 10 years. <laughs> And more like eight, eight, more eight like, actively like eight. fighting. Yeah. <laughs> more eight of active fighting. And finally, you know, and then what happens is that this um, sacred connection that you have in ceremony ends up following you outside of your life. And what I, what I always say is I, the goddess just started kind of fucking shit up for me and making it abundantly clear that I could not continue to live out of integrity with my soul's mission, that I was actually needed in a certain place. And she wasn't going to make it easy for me anymore to ignore 
the call. And so I decided kicking and screaming with tremendous terror in my heart that I was going to follow the call and step onto the ordination path with Kalila. Mm -hmm. And we did a year of really deep wound work Mm -hmm. around how could my own being come into integrity with walking as a priestess in this world. And we had to move through a lot of stuff and it was a very hard year for me. And I am so grateful that this path isn't just about learning or how you show up. It's deeply about who you are being behind closed doors because this is a this is a mystery school of resonance mm-hmm. and being you know holding a coherent field and I couldn't hold a coherent field unless I walked through all those initiations of clearing my wounds mm-hmm. and Then I was ordained a little over a year ago. It was the most beautiful process that we did in Glastonbury, England together at all the sacred sites of Avalon. And then after that, I was really at a choice point because I had been a life coach for uh, 13 years and I was still sort of like hiding behind you know, being a life coach and thinking that people really needed strategy and, you know, all this stuff. And what I realized was if I was going to be an ordained priestess, I I probably had to just show up as one all the time. (laughs) And I had this moment and and part of my ordination process was feeling (laughs) into the vision of the world and what I was creating. And the thing that I really felt was that I wanted to create an organized religion alternative. That is one of the main reasons I feel that I am on the planet right now is I wanted sacred feminine ceremony to be accessible and regular for people. Mm-hmm. I wanted people to like have therapy, go to yoga and go to ceremony. That mm-hmm. it's just like part of our rhythm. So I created that. I already had a membership called Whole Woman, which we shifted Khalil and I when I remembered I was in the bath one time to Holy Woman. And I really put ceremony at the forefront of this community. And it is now a global sacred feminine ceremonial community where we meet every new moon and we have almost a thousand members. It's a, a really special, it's a really special group. And I just want to tell this one story because it's such a good one. Part of this transition for me was having this battle in myself of, am I going to be a priestess or am I going to be respected? And (laughs) I, and I realized, and Kalila helped me realize that part of this was my own internalized judgments Mm -hmm. of what it meant to be a priestess, because the patriarchy has run a very effective long-term campaign against the sacred feminine. And I, like everybody else had internalized a lot of that. So I was judging myself Mm-hmm. I was saying to myself, this work doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. This work is too weird. This work is soft. <laughs> and Kalila really helped me turn and question all of that. And when I looked at my own transformation, transformation I was experiencing in the community that I held, the transformation that I witnessed in my other priestess sisters, and also tracking and looking at the uh, the impact of ceremony inhumanity across all of history and the impact of organized religion in humanity across all of history 
I really came to see, wow, there's nothing more important than this. Yeah. And around the time that I was integrating that in myself, I was invited to go to a party at Harvard. And it was this really great mix of some like super badass spiritual people and like the entire Harvard faculty, all the heads of departments. So I show up for this party (laughs) and I'm like, okay, I have a choice. I'm gonna use my regular line. Like, oh, I do spiritual empowerment for women or like I have my own company or like, you know, whatever we do to sort of like water down the the truth. Um, But I was like, you know what? I have an opportunity to, to really show up and stand shoulder to shoulder yeah. with the smartest people on the planet, really, uh, in a certain way, and and really feel my own power with them and my own importance. Mm-hmm. And so I went to this party, and of course, someone came over to me, and I was like, "Hi, like, tell me about you. What do you do?" And he's like, "Well, I'm the head of the physics department, and you know, what about you?" And I said, "I'm a priestess." And he goes, "Wow." That is so amazing. You know, um, spirituality is really the same as physics. And we got into this whole amazing thing and we ended up talking for like a half an hour and I was met with so much respect and because I had felt it in myself first. And from that moment, I have just, and clearly you have witnessed me, like I am on fire about (laughs) priestesses being just as respected and well-paid as doctors and lawyers and bankers. Because I believe that this is a really effective way to get this important work out into the world. If we can see ourselves at that level of success and ambition and holding an impact, being of service and importance Because what I have seen is that this work is really deeply transformational and really the glue that holds our communities and humanity together. Mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. You know, well, yes, yes, and yes. You know, I mean, one of the things that I delight in, Sarah, in witnessing your journey and, and being over here and, and our weave together is, is witnessing you going through the massive levels of resistance, the initiations by mother. So much resistance. Right? And, yeah. and the, I think that this is really, really actually part of our healing journey. And I've witnessed this in women for the last, I don't know, 15 years that I've been offering this work of training women to become ceremonialists, to become priestesses in their own communities, is that no, no one of us doesn't get to go through this piece of the healing around our internalized oppression the internalized patriarchal. As you said, there's been a very, very successful campaign against the divine feminine mm-hmm. for the last 3,000 plus years, which in human history is a blip, by the way, but it's a significant blip, one that we're still living in. So mm-hmm. I wonder if we can go back to this year of when you decided to step onto what the ordination path is. Maybe I'll explain that a little bit. So Sarah and myself are both ordained as priestesses of the 13 Moon Mystery School lineage through the Sanctuary of the Open Heart, which is um, a mystery school founded by Ariel Spilsbury. I'm a focalizer and an ordained priestess of that lineage. Sarah 
is an ordained priestess. And so this was a big deal. To step onto the path of ordination basically was to declare that you were ready to step into the vocation of priestess, into being held as a lineage bearer of this particular lineage and to take the vow to walk as love. And that is no small undertaking. So you stepped onto the ordination path. Why? Why did you do that? <laughs> what I mean, was the, that about the for thing you? that comes forward is that I couldn't not do it. Right. It seemed like <laughs> the most exciting and challenging and soul carving thing oh. I could sign up for. It yeah. felt like squeezing the water out of the washcloth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was not the comfortable path. It was not the expected path, but I knew it was the path that was going to really test mm. what I was about. Mm. I think the other piece was, is that I felt I loved doing sacred work. I right. loved being in circle with women. I loved tracking the moon. I loved um, talking about the sacred feminine. And because I come from a background that values credentials, <laughs> I wanted to be really well-trained yeah. in the work that I was doing and be in integrity with the work and be the best I could be. I didn't want to just like skate around and pretend I was doing something because that was actually really stressful for me. Yeah. You know, um, oftentimes we feel like a fraud because we are, mm. you know, not in our mastery of the, of the technologies that we're delivering. So I felt really clear yeah. that I wanted to be really adept at my craft. And that was a big part of it also. Yeah. You know, I think it's a really, um, it's a really important thing that you're speaking to because I get asked this a lot, you know, why do we need to be trained as priestesses? Isn't that just replicating, you know, the systems of the patriarchy and, you know, like all the things. And I, I have, I have come to this very considered opinion on it, which I will give you because I've dedicated my life to training women in these, in these sacred technologies, as you said, Sarah. And so for me, there's an alchemical marriage between our innate gifts and talents and what we mm -hmm. intuitively have and the, the skills of the feminine, you know, our abilities to be psychic, our abilities to be oracles or seers or healers or ceremonialists. This is all within us. This is our lineage. These are our forgotten or severed lineages that we as women have stood within our communities for aeons. That mm -hmm. is very, very clear. This is not a new role and function. This is a very ancient role and function, the priestess. So, and I know for sure that in ancient times, pre-patriarchy, pre this system that we're now living in, that if you were identified as one who had those gifts and talents by your mother or your aunties or your grandmama, and they saw you and they were like, oh, this one, this one is, is we need to send her to the priestesses. You yeah. would have been taken to the priestesses by the time that you got your first blood at 13 and you would have been trained for 13 years mm -hmm. and you would have apprenticed with all these different priestesses to learn about what your skills were and to develop them, hone them and learn about how to actually be a priestess ceremonialist minister to your community. Mm -hmm. So this is not new. 
<laughs> this is Very really nice. an old system that we're really tapping into the ley lines of. So in my mind, you know, what I know to be true is, is that yes, we can have the skills and talents, but we also need to go through our own initiatory process and our own training in order to stand as a clear vessel or a clear mirror for another person or for a community. So you mentioned, and I think it's worth chatting about for a bit because it's kind of juicy and fun, right? In, in looking back on it, it's never juicy and fun when we're going through it because nobody ever would sign up for this and say, yes, please put me no. through the initiation ringer. But the truth is, is that when we step onto the path of clearing, there often are challenges that come up. Now, you said earlier on in our conversation that the goddess kind of like came for you with a two by four and basically it was like, excuse me, it's time to get your ducks in a row. So yeah. can you cast your mind back to that year? What, I know, what was the main, I won't say just main initiation, but really what were you, what were you being confronted with? What was that place yeah. where you were out of alignment or you kept having to try to see yourself more clearly? Yeah, well, I kept trying to look normal. You know, I was like, I really tried to make my work at least like the storefront, you know, normal and palatable. Like I'm the girl next door. And like, I do have like normal sides to me. You know what I mean? But, um, or I should say like conventional side. It's not about needing to be one way, but there were ways that I was pretending or that I was trying to like um, <laughs> water down what I was doing because I was just nervous to just say the thing. Yeah. And what ended up happening was I had this very successful business just stopped working, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so we were just like running out of money because I'm, you know, I am a, financial holder with my partner. Mm -hmm. And then I started getting really sick. Yeah. And two weeks after I signed on to the ordination process, I ended up in the hospital with a complete heart block. Okay. Two weeks after I said that I would vow to walk the way of love. And what was happening was I saw all the ways my external life were not in line with my, with my vows that I was taking yeah. and the internal vision that I had. And it was around not taking good care of my body. It was around um, mm. like placating in ways in my marriage. It was not showing up as my true self in my work in the world. Mm. Um, it was like not diving in to have soul connections with my kids. I mean, it was literally everywhere. And I had to get an alignment. And none of it was pretty and none of it was marketable and none of it was comfortable. It was just about me. Yeah. And it was hard because even after being in the hospital, and clearly you probably remember this, like mm -hmm. I didn't make all the changes right away. And then I like scratched my cornea, my daughter's finger got cut off. I mean, hopefully that wasn't because of me, but you know, it was just like, it was a hard time. Yeah. And, and you know, I made some really big changes then. And then I made many small changes over the course of really the past two years. Yeah. And I now that I know that this is my core wound to not have people think that I'm weird, I'm <laughs> always looking for how can I be weirder? How can I let my freak flag fly? 
how can I really, and the thing that I say <laughs> all the time in ceremony, Khalil, is I will hold nothing back. <laughs> so can I share a story about your ordination? Yes. Okay, please. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason I'm giggling y'all is because because sometimes mother has such medicine for us, right? So, oh my God, I don't imagine this. Okay, so imagine this for a moment. Sarah is coming to Avalon, Glastonbury, this very mystical, magical, quite wild space in the UK where there is a really unbroken lineage of priestessing, priesting, mystical, Arthurian, Camelot, you, you name it, it's all embedded in the land there. And it is a space where there is a lot of weird, W-Y-R-D, weird, like in the most, right? To the max. So this is a space that's between the veils. So Sarah's coming to be ordained and as an ordination process, it's not just, oh, here you go. Here's your, you know, here's your um, certificate. It's no, not it was like the all. hardest weekend of my life. Right. So one of the things that I, when I was meditating for Sarah's ordination, and this is a story worth telling, is that I was asking, well, what would be the core wound for Sarah? What is it that I would send her out to do? So, of course, the, one of Sarah's core wounds that she had come with, with with me years and years before was was to do with image and was to do with how people see her and not being weird because, you know, this was someone who was meant to be a senator, not a priestess. Like, yeah. you know, like she was groomed into that role, not this role. And so there was this tension around fully embodying her version of herself, which is this magical, very grounded, but magical creature. And so I said to Sarah, okay, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go out into Glastonbury. You're going to take your Oracle deck. You're going to take your, you're going to take your anointing oils and you're going to find people to anoint or give readings to on the street. Doesn't matter who they are in shops. You're going to spend the entire afternoon moving as a priestess, seeing where you're being called to serve. Okay. Dot, dot, dot. And I was, get this. <laughs> I was spying on me. I was. <laughs> I was moving around the town as subterfuge as I could, which is not very, and the town's not very big, but I would see her off in the distance doing something with somebody. And I would just sort of stand and observe and witness her as she was letting her freak flag fly. So right. now you can fill in the, 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 the dots of that story of what was revealed to you. Well, I just, it's just like, it's so <laughs> funny I love the ordination process. We're like, let's think of the hardest thing she could possibly do and make her do it. <laughs> so, I mean, one of the real highlights was learning how to see with the eyes of the heart and not through the eyes of image because mm. I spent a large part of my life thinking about how am I going to be perceived if I say something weird? But I knew that in order to pass the test, I had to feel below perception Mm. and tune into, does does this person's higher self, does this person's soul desire a connection with me in this way? And so I couldn't go by body language. I couldn't go by sight. I couldn't go by what they looked like or where they were. I, I had to purely feel through my intuition. And I noticed in the beginning, I questioned it a lot. I'd I'd feel like I'd see someone light up yeah. and I'd be like, no, like I got caught up in my perception 
Mm. And I remember one time I got the green light on somebody and I walked away and I literally felt like a cord pulling me back. And I was like, okay, this is the moment. Like, this is literally the test right here. So I turned around and like, I had already left the store. You know what I mean? I go back in to our favorite jewelry shop. And I said, I am feeling called to anoint you. Would you like that? And the woman behind the (laughs) counter, just like her face went into bliss. And she was like, oh my gosh, yes, I would love that. And I anointed her third eye and I, I did like her crown and her occipital points. And then something that really, I don't think I'm realizing this until this moment, but, um, one thing that was really amplified for me in that moment, when I anointed her was me realizing one of my gifts that I can so clearly see someone's fullest potential mm-hmm. when I am with them in that space. And it's almost like I download it like a, like a movie or a file. Mm-hmm. And so I really felt her fullest potential. And I asked her if, um, I, if she wanted me to share and I did, and what's so beautiful. And then there was another woman in there and she said, what's that smell? And I asked her if she wanted to be anointed and she was an older woman. So I had her sit down, I anointed her feet and then she started channeling for me. And it it was just like, and then there's this other American woman in there who was like me 10 years ago. And like, she had this whole experience, but the the best part of, there's two things that I want to say about this. The best part was after I do that, they're like, who are you? Like, what is happening here? And then I got to say, well, I'm being ordained tomorrow. And this was part of my initiation. And literally the entire jewelry store erupted and congratulations. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. This is amazing. I'm so proud of you. I can't believe I get to see you on your ordination day. This is the best. Everyone's crying. I mean, it was like, it's, (laughs) it's like how a bride would be getting married, but I was getting married to myself and I was in a place where People could feel that. And it was just the best to just be seen and celebrated in that way. And um, what I want to share is that we were back in Avalon this summer with my beloved Jonathan, and we ran into the woman I anointed. That's right. I remember. And, um, And one of the things that we talked about was her having her own store, and she has her own store now. And so it was really incredible to, and when we saw it, you know, we had a five to 10 minute interaction a year ago and had never spoken. And I saw her on the street and we both started to cry because it was just this, when you see through the eyes of the heart, when you decide to just let your freak flag fly, there's a depth of connection with the other person that you will never forget because it's completely out of time and space. And man, do we need that right now? Oh, oh, I, you know, that story is everything in terms of your process of coming into the awareness of what it is to drop the perceptual field or the story Mm -hmm. that I'm somehow going to be ostracized or I'm weird or I don't fit in. And as we do that, like you said, and and this is really the path of the priestess is to drop into the heart beyond the labels, beyond all of the identifiers to actually come together in connection. And like you said, when that happens, we don't forget each other. 
Because those moments are so precious on a soul level, right? Those moments are the moments where we get to actually be really um, connected and really seen, but not at the level of our personality. And I think if there's one thing I can say about you know, all of the work that we do in temple, all the work that's the training inside of priestess presence, inside of my work with women, it's to get us to the place where we are able to sit inside of ourselves in a way where we become available to be truly present. Mm -hmm. Now that sounds really simple, but to become truly present, you need to have calmed and centered and dealt with all the parts of your nattering brain and your ideas about who you think you should be to allow yourself to actually be who you are. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I think, and, and I remember this transition time, Sarah, and one of the reasons I wanted to chat with you today is because I think a lot of the women who you are listening to this are in some kind of transition around yeah. coming more deeply into your spirit work, into your spirit-led work, into your sacred work, your holy work, your, you know, whatever you want to call that, whatever your J-O-B is, whatever your job is, that your function within it, whether that whether that's a traditional looking job, that may be shifting in terms of how you're showing up within it. Mm-hmm. And I think the transition is often very uncomfortable because that's where we meet our shadow. When we are aware that we've outgrown who we were, and you mm-hmm. were not yet formed. And I remember you going through this transitional period of a year and your business was kind of wobbly and you were wobbly. And you yeah. were like, I don't really know what I'm doing, Kalila. What is it that I'm even doing anymore? And I, I, maybe I should go back to do what I did before because it was working and this isn't really working, you know? Yeah. What can you say about that phase, love? Because it's a little, it's a little, it, it's scary to the ego, right? It's really scary. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> The only thing I can say was that the feeling of being in integrity Uh and being deeply devoted to my soul's mission feels so much better than having the external work when the internal is a lie. You know, like that sense of like inner safety Mm. And inner satisfaction with me mm. felt so much better than having consistent income for a period of time. Yeah, And, you know, it's not all about money, but what I do want to share is that my business is like, like better than ever. And people are so excited to be a part of a sacred feminine community and you know, I've gotten through the hump and, and I'm feeling met by the world and by my community. I think because in a lot of ways, the goddess was testing me, mm. you know, are, do you, how badly do you want this? Can I trust you mm-hmm. to stay for the work and not just stay for the success of it? Yeah. 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 Well, and and I think there's something really powerful in what you're saying. And I think that this is that transition. So if you're listening and you're in a wobble in your own life of like where the outside and the inside is not matching up, where you've Mm -hmm. outgrown some way of your, how you're doing, you know, whatever it is, your relationships, your relationship to your body, all of it, as you said, Sarah, is in every aspect is just to be 
you know, my invitation to us all would be to just take a breath with it for a moment and just acknowledge it. Just let yourself get real and honest with yourself to say, okay, this is actually medicine for me right now, which is that I'm being shown where the gap is. And this is the thing for me, the path of the priestess and the training as a priestess is a constant life of refinement. Yes. I'm constantly asking, where am I out of alignment? What's no longer true? What no longer fits? What no longer is an integrity? Where's the joy point? Where is my high creativity? Where am I being drawn to actually go next? What is being revealed to me? Like these are the questions I'm asking every single day. And, And I, and I think that when we really step over the threshold back into the divine feminine mysteries, it, we are, in a place of constant creation, destruction, and recreation, because that is how she works. And you have to be willing to be part of that. And that is scary to the ego because we like to hold on to what we know. And yet, what I witness with you, Sarah, and all of the women who come on this pathway is, is that the high creativity that comes through when you allow yourself to actually step over that threshold that is the gift in expression. You know, I always yeah. remember you saying to me, there's two things, two times. One was on a bus when we were going to Avebury in England and Sarah comes running down the aisle of the bus. You got a picture of this and she's so, you know. With overalls. With in her overalls. And she was so, she was so exuberant. And it was the first time she'd come to Avalon and she just like, Kalila. <laughs> Really, Kalila, this is it. I'm gonna. This is what I'm going to do. I'm gonna be here. I'm. Go- I, I want it all. Whatever it is, I want it. I'm choosing this. And it was like a moment of revelation, and then obviously all of the resistance comes up once we do that, right? So oh, yeah, that was for three first, years. right for three years. So that was one part of it, and then seeing you with your beloved in Avalon, initiating him, and bringing him into what now isn't something you're aspiring to, but it's something that you're grounded in and something that you have such deep reverence and respect for in yourself and the way that you were able to hold that with him and to bear witness to that really, really just showed me the path of the priestess is one of humility and grace. Mm -hmm. And the reclamation of the respect is actually a reclamation of innate worth. Mm-hmm. We all are born with that and accessing it and remembering it is a journey of coming closer to the earth, not trying to transcend our humanity, but wow. actually coming down and into what it means to be present, humble, and in our wisdom. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you another quick story. Sarah mm-hmm. came into our Rosa Mystica journey, and you'll laugh at this one, Sarah. <clears throat> And um, everybody's given a temple keeping oil when they come into the Magdalene Temple. <laughs> you know what I'm going to share, right? Yeah. I and love so, Sarah, so Sarah's, you know, and everyone, of course, everybody wants to be a Yalang Yalang or a Champaka or a Rose or something. Rose. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Rose <laughs> you know, everyone wants to be one of the, the exalted flowers. Yeah. And it comes to Sarah and she's given silver fur. And I can see her whole... A pine tree. <laughs> and I can 
see Sarah's face. Like she's trying to be very grown up and like just deal with it. But I can see that you now should tell the story. The disappointment. No, I mean, I was just like, what? <laughs> A pine tree? No, thank you. And then this is the best part. I just like didn't get it. So, and then this is the other thing. When you come, anytime you come into a new sort of Rosa Mystica circle, you get your oil, you get presented your oil again. And sometimes people get new ones. And I was like, great. I'm coming in. So I come into Rosa Mystica for the second time. I'm like, this time I'm going to get Elang-Alang. I can feel it. I'm going to get Elang-Alang. And then it was like, and silver fur, our Sarah. And this happened like five times. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm not getting Elang-Alang. And... <laughs> It wasn't until the morning of my ordination that I got it. Like, I just got it. And you said to me, you're wasting so much energy trying to be medicine that you are not. Like, just accept the medicine that you were given to hold. And ever since then, and that's where I say, that's where it's began, that was the first time that I accepted that I held the medicine of silver fur. And it really wasn't until we were in Rosa Mystica Temple again in May that I fully started working with it regularly uh, on the other women and channeling for the oil and really feeling the specific medicine and how proud I was to hold that medicine of the winds of change, of waking people up, of feeling this like deep rooting and vertical expanse. And it was just like, I get it now. Oh, and I love it feels, it feels so good to be constantly discovering things about yourself and just extracting so much joy from who you actually are instead of constantly trying to be somebody else. Oh, so this is the other piece to it, right? Is, is that there's so many pieces about becoming a modern day priestess. And one of them is the ability to be able to laugh at oneself and not oh my God. so seriously, <laughs> which is the greatest gift, right? And this is probably part oh of the med- medicine that I hold <laughs> so deeply that everyone knows always thinks I'm a very serious priestess. Oh my God, but you're actually, so me, not. So they actually so beat me and realize that I'm actually a mystic giraffe and that's kind of <laughs> my actual, my actual soul time, oh <laughs> you know, and it's this so is true. the thing is, you know, whatever the image is, and this is so important because this is really what we've been talking about, what the image is of how we portray and see priestessing. Of course, we love the adornment. We all love the beauty, the quotient. Sarah's a Libra and she can't help herself to be in the beauty. I'm a Leo. Come on. We love yeah. all of the, the smells and the bells and the and the beauty and the expression and the archetypal manifestation and all of that ceremonial ritual sacred theater piece of it is so gratifying, mm-hmm. but it's not the thing itself. And I just really want to say this. And I think this has been your journey mm-hmm. to go from image to essence is what I would yes. say. Yes. And that is the journey. So whatever you see, that is a mere surface level of what is actually this path because this path is actually one of disrobing all of that this the whole image of it the whole beauty of it 
is actually the invitation into it, but it's not the thing itself. Mm-hmm. Mm. I really want to say that to everybody. Oh, so perfectly put. Yeah, because I, 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 it's very hard in this day and age of social media. And Sarah, you're brilliant at translating beautiful imagery to people. But I really want to say that because what I've worked with Sarah on over the years, and we've talked about it a lot, is how do we, how do we put imagery out there that's in service to the mission mm-hmm. of actually having women come back into temple to work together to become a sisterhood together, to mend the wounds, to heal the wounds. And um, and I know that the appearance of it and the actual experience of it are two very different things. So I'll just say very. that. Yes, yeah. thank you for that. You know, I think I called you the day before my last video shoot that I did in yeah. August because... I decided to just hold a ceremony, a real death ceremony and have my videographer there. Yeah. And I knew that it wasn't going to be pretty and that it was going to be a lot. And, you know, I'm, I get really witchy and there's a lot of yelling and that's what's real. That's part of my medicine. And I just decided to bring it and I was very scared. And what's been happening, because in this time that we're recording this podcast, I've put it out over the past couple of days and people are really feeling it because it's real. And we were actually doing ceremony when all of that was happening. And it was not perfectly pulled together or it wasn't staged you know, women were crying and screaming and like doing all the real stuff. Yeah. And the fact that it's being met with so much mm-hmm. um, resonance and excitement by my larger community just really is giving me an external example that it, this is really what works is to be real. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for that. I think that that's the message, you know, mm-hmm. from image to essence. From mm-hmm. appearance to what's actually real. Mm-hmm. You know? And the breaking a part of the projective field is so, so important. And we can't help but have projections on each other because you can only ever see a very small slice mm-hmm. of who I am or who Sarah is or who any of us are through the lens of a camera or the lens of, you know, the ways in which we communicate largely, which is through social media. And I think it's really um powerful to recognize that this pathway is one that's about actually becoming empty. Mm -hmm. And that is the, probably the deepest medicine of the priestess is to become empty. And I can say much, much more about what that actually means, but to be able to become available to the movement of spirit through us, Mm -hmm. the magic Mm -hmm. that wants to Mm -hmm. be woven. Sarah, I love you. (laughs) I love you, Kalila. I'm so honored to get to 
to weave realities with you and to witness what you're doing in the world and to feel all the women who are coming into sacred community with you. And then all the women you're waking up who are deciding to come and train to be priestesses over in Priestess Presence School of the Sacred Arts. Because that's, if Sarah's job is to be out there doing the large scale ceremonies, mine is to be training the priestesses. And we, we realized that really early on in our connection. And it's been an amazing, um, weave really because. Yeah. You know, my dedication has been really to provide the space for sisters to remember who they are as priestesses and to train them in the skill set. And it's and it's happening. More and more priestesses are out there doing the work. And Mm -hmm. I know that you're a large megaphone for that. So I want to thank you for your service to Mm -hmm. the mission that we're all here on together. Yeah, we all have a role to play in waking up the planet and (laughs) mine is just to normalize it. You know, I want the whole world to know that everyone needs a priestess in their life and it does not need to be me. Exactly. I'm just here to land the archetype and I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea. And, (laughs) but I, I am excited to see that so many people are realizing that they need this in our life and they're looking for you. Yeah, that's They're right. just looking for you. So if you feel called, listen, because there's there's people out there that need your specific medicine and in right. ways that you feel called to hold mm-hmm. uh, and ceremonies that you feel called to lead. And yeah. yes. listen, you know, deeply listen, because that can be in ceremonial space. It can be in the OR. It can be in the boardroom. It can be anywhere. Absolutely. And this that's work is needed everywhere. That's the truth. Yeah. The skills of the priestess, the presence of the priestess is needed within all these roles and functions in the world. <clears throat> and that is one of the things I have learned over the many years of training women is really to see how she is showing up in many, many different ways in many, many different spaces now. So if you're curious to learn more about this pathway, my loves, then you will want to head over to priestesspresence.com, which is our website. That's my other work in the world alongside the Red Podcast and the work that I do in mentoring women individually is, you know, the pioneering field of priestess training and school. And, um, and we are right now in active enrollment and registration for our 2024 cohort of sisters who are going to be come through and be trained as priestesses. So if you're curious, priestess curious, come on over. And from my heart to yours, Sarah, thank you so much for everything. Thank you for being here today, sharing your wonderful stories about your own pathway. And to everyone else who's listening, welcome, welcome, welcome to the edge. Whatever edge that you might be standing on right now, I invite you to embrace it because it is the edge of your own evolution and what is coming next for you. Much, much love to you, sweethearts. Until next time. Bye. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of The Red Podcast. It's been an honor to have you here with us. As Red Women, we are here leading from the edges of our own evolution, birthing new worlds into being through our bodies, our hearts, our minds, and our beautiful presence. 
If you would like to be in contact with me, I love hearing from you. You can find me on Instagram at elaine.kalila or over on my website, elainekalila.com. And lastly, I'd like to invite you, if you loved this episode, to go ahead and share this with someone that you think might enjoy it too. It's through us sharing our hearts with one another and inspiring one another that we reveal our red, that evolutionary edge that is just waiting to be fully expressed in all aspects of our world. Until next time, many, many blessings. Blessings.